Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 306, air date June 15th, 2018. Harvard is the epicenter of the military-industrial academic complex, or what some people refer to as a deep state. Monsanto funds these guys, weapons guys fund these guys, and universities fund them. Look at Elizabeth Warren. She is the center of the military-industrial academic complex. The other guy, Dirty Deal, this, which is the most insidious guy, voted for Joe Biden. He's got his campaign manager, who is, um, was a Saudi lobbyist, which made sure that 9-11 victims' families or uh, is lobbying, lobbied on behalf of the Saudi government so they could not get reparations. And third, you have a guy who's lying that he's the Trump co-chair, which is he was not, and faked a Photoshop picture of shaking hands with Trump. And none of the media brings this out, Marcelo. Because, wow, yeah, this is stuff and, I and didn't you, even know about, Jeff. Do you yeah. know about this about Jeff? Oh, he's a complete uh, scumbag. The mainstream media has been labeling the protest as a Nazi KKK You know what? I chase the KKK out of Boston in 82. I'm a low caste Indian. And my parents left India at a, at a time. I left time at an India when people of my color weren't even allowed to speak. Hi, everyone. Today I am joined by Dr. Shiva Ayadure. He is running for Senate against Elizabeth Warren. He is a scientist, engineer, the inventor of email. He also started seven successful high-tech companies, holds four degrees from MIT, and has been at the forefront of exposing Monsanto and GMOs. Dr. Aydura, thank you so much for coming. Great to be here, Marcelo. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about your campaign. Why did you decide to run against Elizabeth Warren? And can you just explain this message of decentralization, which is central to your campaign? Sure. The reason I'm running against Elizabeth Warren is because I think Americans, particularly after the 2016 election, are waking up uh, and have woken up. But it, it, it really accelerated with, I think, the recent election where people are recognizing that both of these parties, Republicans and Democrats, have no interest in serving them. In fact, they both serve the establishment. And I think it's a huge opportunity, particularly in Massachusetts, because Massachusetts you know, was a cradle of the American Revolution. And in a very ironic way, Massachusetts has, has now become the uh, sewer that feeds a swamp in Washington. So what better place to have an explosive victory uh, but in Massachusetts? And you have to understand um, that if you take a university like Harvard, Harvard is the epicenter of the military-industrial-academic complex, or what some people refer to as a deep state. And the reason I'm running is that my entire journey as an American, uh, going through the process of immigration, education, and innovation, has traversed really the journey of all Americans, which is um, going through the recognition that all great things occur by individuals standing up on their own two feet and making decisions for their own Cells and their own advancement. And what's interesting is that people like Elizabeth Warren and also the two-party state of Republicans and Democrats believes that they know better. And what's even more fascinating is the centralization of power really comes out in many ways of um, the backyard right here in Cambridge. And in, in fact, as I mentioned, it's Harvard University, which is what Elizabeth Warren, which is what Charlie Baker, who's a governor of Massachusetts, Mitt Romney, all of these guys come out of, it's essentially a club which believes that they know better 
And our campaign is about recognizing that people know better. By the time you got up this morning, Marcelo, you probably made about 100 decisions for yourself. You didn't need the state telling you what was important for you. Uh, people know how to figure things out. And what we've created right now is this centralization of power. And in my view, that's really fascism. And that centralization of power um, has been occurring over many years, uh, probably really started um, occurring starting in the 70s in this country. And it's time to bust that up. And I think it's a great time in American history to do that because people are, I think, are more open than ever to starting to think for themselves. Yeah, and why do you think there isn't enough campaigns like yours out there pushing this message of uh, decentralization and exposing the fact that the Democrats and Republicans are, are the same thing? Why do you think there isn't enough of that right now? Well, you have to understand, you have to have a certain amount of resources in the current sort of globalist imperialist model of running for office, right? And, um, and it takes quite a bit of organizational effort you have to have certain resources. You also have to have a depth of insight uh, to understand who the enemy is and be able to articulate that. So I would say that I'm very fortunate to have have acquired certain resources and have been part of the MIT infrastructure. Have uh, learned a lot of things, you know, from the inside that very few people get the chance to do. So the insights that I have, and fortunately being able to articulate them, is something that. Uh, I also uh, have been fortunate to have. And, and the, uh, I think the other thing is um, most candidates who run, they believe that they need to run on, uh, you know, uh, as a Republican or as a Democrat, right? And that entire process of doing that essentially stultifies a lot of people's growth and what they can actually talk about, right? You can't talk about this, you can't talk about that because a two-party system essentially has like three or four different platforms and you just stay within that little box so it's quite anti-democratic so yeah. that's why i'm running also as an independent yeah and well you, you talk about harvard uh you've said before uh being a fake institution elizabeth warren came out of that uh got to pay three hundred thousand dollars just to teach one class at harvard so can you explain that a bit more why you think uh, these institutions like harvard are part of the deep state yeah look let's really think about um, uh, you know, there's a great slogan, you know, or a great quote someone said that all uh, suffering comes from ignorance. And you, everyone can look that up where it came, comes from. But as a very wise man who said that, all suffering comes from ignorance. So how do you remove suffering, right? The idea is you, you should get enlightened, which means you learn knowledge and you get skills and you sort of figure uh, all of this out. And well, so that's what you call education. Well, over many years, what's happened is uh, the intellectual elites are the ones who've essentially intermediated and owned the access to quote-unquote knowledge or education or skills. And by owning that, uh, they essentially control um, knowledge, which means they also control whether people suffer or they people advance in life. So this is a very fundamental issue about uh, politics of where does knowledge come from. And the centralization of knowledge and the priests who own that knowledge, double quote priests, um, in the world today, I would argue it's Harvard University. You look at Harvard University, it's a complete collusion of many, many different disciplines. They have the Harvard Law School. You know, half of the Supreme Court justices come out of Harvard Law School. That's one fraternity. You have Harvard Business School. Um, most of the guys who run major corporations, be it Goldman Sachs, 
uh, be it Monsanto, come out of Harvard Business School. Then you have the Harvard Educational School, right? Then you have the Kennedy School of Government, which essentially uh, really trains all the deep state operatives. Yeah. So you And you have Harvard Medical School, right? So you have a set of five, six, seven knowledge institutions under one monopolistic institution called Harvard University. And the reason I call it a fake university, it's actually a $40 billion hedge fund. About $2 billion is their operations budget, but the other 38, nearly $40 billion really is invested. Um, and that's how they support this entire infrastructure. Uh, as several years ago, the money managers who within the Harvard management company who run uh, this fake university got paid close to $58 million, six people. Elizabeth Warren's um, uh, professorship, the Leo Gottlieb professorship was funded by Clearly Gottlieb, which uh, the Leo Gottlieb, when he died, Clearly Gottlieb funded the professorship. And go look at Clearly Gottlieb. It's one of the most biggest law firms. By the way, the law firm, which is a law firm for Jen Ting, which is a big casino operator firm, which is trying to put, uh, put a casino now in and, and make sure certain land issues and land trust issues are figured out so the Wampanoags get their casino. And it's really not about the Wampanoags, but it's really uh, to make Elizabeth Warren look like that she's actually helping the Wampanoags out. Everyone should go check it out and you'll see this very interesting collusion. Point being that the Harvard fraternity and the people that collude with and around Harvard um, it's an unfair game, Marcelo, yeah. that they're insiders. And I have a very intimate understanding of this, which many people in America unfortunately do not because the fake news media and the deep state media is also part of this institution. So my election is a pretty revolutionary one. And that's why I think Republicans and Democrats are so afraid of it, because you got a guy here, you know, who looks good, who knows how to articulate well, who's smart. And I'm a formidable opponent. And look at the wave that we've created already, um, it, you know, without getting any major media access, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what people don't realize when you talk about Harvard, though, is a lot of them are insiders. Um, I, I've actually approached one of them, Larry Summers. I don't know if you're familiar with him. The form, form. Yeah, he went to MIT. Larry, I, was his, I was at his appointment. I was at his dinner okay. many, many years ago when he was um, given the, or whatever, the yeah, president. So he's a former president. Yeah regular attendee at the Bilderberg meetings, right? I don't know if you're familiar, but it's the most secretive meetings ever where the most elite of the elite go. And he hides this fact. Um, I approached him. I asked him about this. But, uh, yeah, obviously they are part of the deep state, a lot of these people that run Harvard. Um, but I wanted to talk about the, um, the recent issue you had with uh, Cambridge, the city of Cambridge. They sent you a letter. Uh, saying that they were going to fine you $300 per day because of a sign that you had on your campaign bus, and then you filed the lawsuit. So can you just explain uh, what happened with that? Uh, look, the First Amendment protects free speech. In particular, the First Amendment protects something extremely important, which is political free speech. Political free speech is something that the First Amendment was really, really designed for. Um, so... Uh, on April 5th, we received a letter from the city of Cambridge saying, if we did not remove the slogan from our bus, which said only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian, which had next to it juxtaposed pictures of me and Warren in her headdress, that we would be fined $300 a day. Now, the history of this is February 
go back to t- February 2017. I was the first candidate to announce that I'm running for Senate against Warren. Subsequent to that, a bunch of citizens in Cambridge and students took an old school bus, refurbished it, and painted it. And that's been in my parking lot, by the way, which I pay the city of Cambridge around 70 grand for my building, which I own, in property taxes every year. We had it parked in my building, which we also used, and the bus was also used. At that time, in March, the signage said, um, be the light. A few months later, we changed the signage uh, in June of 2017 to say, fight for America. Um, by the way, no one said anything about this signage. Um, March of 2018, before the St. Patrick's Day parade, uh, on a cold day, we changed the signage to only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian as we took it into the parade. By the way, which people loved, you can see it up online. Um, and, and about two weeks later, we got this letter from the city of Cambridge saying anonymous people had complained. So um, within uh, literally three weeks, we filed a federal lawsuit in federal court saying that the city of Cambridge had violated the U.S. Constitution and also the Massachusetts Constitution having to do with the First Amendment. Uh, on May 4th, a uh, couple of weeks later, so we filed on April 22nd, a couple of weeks later, we also escalated our fight against the city by also filing what's called a preliminary injunction, Marcelo. A preliminary injunction basically states that we're also going to tell the courts to enjoin, which means stop the city of Cambridge from fining us anything during the time of the lawsuit, right? The accruals of fines. When we did that, the city of Cambridge got quite afraid. They contacted our attorney and said, whoa, 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 stop. We don't want you to go into the PI because that would be uh, a big loss, an immediate loss for them versus an extended lawsuit. So they said, let's settle this case. Um, and they and we started a series of negotiations. Um, as a part of that negotiation, they wanted me to come into the city of Cambridge and talk. By the way, the, the guy who's a commissioner of Cambridge, a building inspector, is an Indian guy. Okay, so they wanted one Indian to speak to the other Indian. This is the old technique Malcolm X talked about having the house Indian speak to the field Indian. You know, he, he said the house slave speak to the field slave. Um, we said, no way. Everything we've said is already in the lawsuit and you have 48 hours to rescind it. So they agreed to rescind it. And as a part of our uh, surrender terms, which is what they were, we said, A, you should um, agree that you will never find us again. B, we have every right to put that signage. And C, you will uh, acknowledge that um, you will not violate the First Amendment rights on vehicles. They agreed to all of that. And then we filed our dismissal. You know, we don't want to waste the court's time. We don't want to waste taxpayers' money. And so I filed a declaration saying we have agreed to remove it because these are the negotiated terms. Right after we filed Marcello and called for the dismissal, uh, the city of Cambridge uh, uh, contacts the judge and said, oh, we never agreed to those terms, which they did. Uh, but the judge dismissed anyway, so they lost again. The point being here, uh, I'm sure if this had gone to a major trial uh, and we had subpoenaed Warren, uh, and we'd started doing depositions and started getting uh, a FOIA on all the emails, I'm sure there would have been a straight line from these so-called anonymous complaints back to Elizabeth Warren, her, one of her colleagues. Oh, you really think it was one of her colleagues? Because I was wondering, yeah. it's like, who would actually think that you would get away with that? I mean, well, that's why they... violation on a bus? It's like, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> well, you got to understand, the city of Cambridge uses this to generate revenue, right? Fines. So most people, again, would sort of walk away. But by the way, most politicians uh, would have been are very spineless, Democrat and Republicans. They would never even put up that signage. In fact, 
when we started doing that, they asked the Republicans, they said, oh, we shouldn't bring up identity politics. One of these guys, uh, Dirty Deal, and the other two politicians. So what you have right now in Massachusetts is there is no, um, in fact, there's no Republican Party even, Republican Party in the sense of the party of Lincoln. It's all one party with two faces to it. And you can look at it. Uh, one of the guys running the Republican side, and we call him Old Man Kingston, he gave nearly $300,000 to Bill Clinton. Okay, the other guy, Dirty Deal, this, which is the most insidious guy, voted for Joe Biden. He's got his campaign manager who is, um, was a Saudi lobbyist, which made sure that 9-11 victims' families or, uh, is lobbying, lobbied on behalf of the Saudi government so they could not get reparations. And third, you have a guy who's lying that he's the Trump co-chair, which is he was not, and faked a Photoshop picture of shaking hands with Trump. And none of the media brings this out, Marcelo. Because wow, yeah, this is stuff I didn't you, even know about, Jeff. Do you yeah. know about this about Jeff? Oh, he's a complete uh, scumbag, yeah. to say in a very, probably the most nicest way I could say it. And so the establishment has set up deal, and uh, he went into the convention, by the way, saying that he wasn't going to support Baker, which means the Trump loyalists think he's anti-Baker, after the convention, he just endorsed Baker. So what's going on in Massachusetts is quite important to understand. You see, forget Donald Trump for a second. The people who voted for Trump were actually voting because they were against the establishment. And everyone knows this, the establishment knows this, and that's why they're so afraid of our run, because people are peeling away from the two-party system fast. So now, both organizations of the establishment, Republican, Democrat, two sides of the devil, one, the Elizabeth Warren side, essentially takes advantage of poor blacks and poor minorities, okay? The Republican side takes advantage of poor whites. That's why you have the Howie Cars and the Jeff Deal, both scumbags who basically use the, the, the real anger of poor whites and bring them back into the establishment. And that's why Deal is being set up to be the quote-unquote opposition to Warren. This guy's a complete moron, could not even win a state election, uh, and is being poised to be the opposition to Warren. Yeah. Right? When he has no chance of winning, but they're using the anti-Warren sentiment to essentially build the coffers of the local Republican Party. Yeah, hopefully. So you, you this, is, this is what the setup is occurring. So what we need to do is educate the Trump loyalists. You have a setup taking place, and let's go to Trump version 2.0 or 3.0, which is let's completely break from the establishment. And that's the opportunity we have in Massachusetts, Marcelo. And it's a historic opportunity. Look, people like me don't need to be doing this. You know, I got a multi-billion dollar company I'm running. I've gotten all my degrees. I made a ton of money. I don't need to do this. So this is an opportunity for the people of Massachusetts and this country to put forward someone who's in the, you know, in the lineage of the founders of this country, a smart guy who loves this country and actually knows how to solve problems. Is not a career politician. Elizabeth Warren, lawyer, lobbyist, you know, Charlie Baker, you know, rich kid who somehow got into Harvard, 30% of Harvard admissions, right, are from legacy admissions. And you have Dirty Deal, Old Man Kingston, Harvard Law graduate, and Beth Lindstrom, who's claimed to famously ran the lottery. Yeah, well, I, I really hope you can get in a debate with Elizabeth Warren and Jeff Deal and really expose a lot of these facts. Oh, well, they don't want me on the debate stage. I'll destroy them, you know? Yeah. You have no chance if I get on the d debate stage. Um, so one side calls me a white supremacist and the other side calls me a beater of white women. Yeah, I, I saw you know the, um, the article that was recently, 
released the, the, by Jared something calling you racist and by all right. Well, yeah, so we, we they're, back they're still pushing this narrative all the way back from almost a year ago. But, yeah. Well, we should have a, I think it's a great opportunity. Look, uh, people come up to me and call me a Nazi who haven't even looked at the video that we have from the free speech rally. Uh, then you have the right wing who throws up a mugshot of mine of a case which was completely thrown out. You're seeing now a lot of uh, people of color who are being exonerated from crimes they never did. You see the, the right wing tries to say dark people beat white women and the left wing tries to say this guy's a white supremacist. Yeah. So they have a big problem with me because the truths and the evidence, we have the video from the free speech rally and we got the facts that anything you know, that I was falsely arrested, falsely accused, a case was dismissed against me. So the facts are there. So I think this is going to be a, a huge opportunity to expose how the establishment um, works in collusion and together. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a great time, man. Yeah, it really is. All right. So I yeah. we only have five minutes left, but I wanted to talk a little bit about U.S. foreign policy um, and our involvement in Syria and this uh, threat of, of Assad. Um, what do you think is our real motive behind uh, staying in Syria? Um, yeah. Right. So I, I think we missed a little bit of. So let's just step back. First of all, uh, one of the great things of this country when it was founded was a notion of decentralization, right? Decentralization of power, balance of power, separation of powers. That was a foundation of America. In fact, that foundation, believe it or not, came from two traditions. One was believed that the Iroquois and the Indians who believed in separation of power and also from the India from where I come from. You know, in ancient traditions, always a separation of powers was part and decentralization. So that's been core to what you call what I call the true American model of existence. And over the last, uh, particularly starting, as I mentioned, in the 70s, the centralization of power has taken place, led by the architects of it out of Harvard University, Republican and Democrat. That's what's been going on in this country. And part of that policy was the concept of globalism and imperialism, that the, these architects, by the way, were trained at Harvard, John F. Kennedy School of Government, that we, uh, uh, we meaning they, would enforce their rights on everyone all over the world, right? Their will on everyone all over the world. So part of that uh, will is to support the military industrial academic complex, which Senator Eisenhower, Republican, talked about, and also uh, I'm sorry, President Eisenhower and Senator Fulbright, a Democrat, talked about. Both of these guys were br brilliant people and they warned Americans of the centralization of power and the fact that the military, big corporations and universities like Harvard, corporations like Monsanto, would get together to basically do stuff that had nothing to do with feeding you, making our lives better, but essentially working for themselves. And uh, so think about it, a president of the United States on his last day in office mentioned this, Eisenhower, he gave a very famous farewell speech, and Senator Fulbright, the Fulbright Award, which I won one of, great guy, you know, Democrat and Republican. So both of them talked about this, and they warned Americans about this. Both parties engage in wars, both parties go and start fighting with people that are not our enemies. Assad is not our enemy. Russia is not our enemy. But they want to start these globalist imperialist wars because they want to feed the defense contractors and the weapons industry 
which really drives their growth and which is what funds them. Those are the real people who fund them. Monsanto funds these guys, weapons guys fund these guys, and universities fund them. Look at Elizabeth Warren. She's the center of the military industrial academic complex. She wrote a letter to Chuck Hagel that he should accept weapons that the military had given back. She voted for the Monsanto Protection Act uh, against GMO labeling bill, and she's part of Harvard, right? And she's for toppling the Assad regime pretty much as well. And yeah, yeah. so when, when yeah, and go look at her tweet. Yeah. She said, let's, let's bomb Assad. So there it is, Republicans and Democrats both agreeing to go after Assad. By the way, Assad uh, is, a, uh, if anything, he wants to set up their own currency, right? Um, he wants, uh, he's against genetically engineered foods, as Russia is. So you start connecting the dots and you find out that the deep state wants to destroy anyone who want to expose uh, their bidding. And then, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other theories also. You know, there's a pipeline that the Saudis uh, and the Qataris wanted, which would cut up through Syria so they could have um, ship their natural gas out at a lower cost. Assad doesn't want to do that. So, look, people need to wake up. Uh, we have so much resources in this country we we can be on the uh, on, on uh, we're on the edge of a renaissance if we wanted in terms of growth or we could head into darkness trump's win was basically a huge bomb that needed to take place and the white liberal racists who want us all on the deep state reservation and plantation are are going ape over this when i say white liberal racists uh, and i say the deep state reservation plantation that plantation architect is harvard university and it's deployed through the Democrats and Republicans. So that's what's going on, you know? Well, it definitely and, uh, is the biggest issue right now, I feel like, is a military-industrial complex and pushing the, these wars with Iran, uh, Assad, and now it looks uh, to be with, with North Korea as well. Um, yeah, because the bottom line is, you know, as long as war and sickness are profitable, right, we will not have peace and health. Yeah. That's the bottom line. As war and, as, and, and Democrats and Republicans profit from war and sickness, and war and sickness profits Democrats and Republicans. That's why we need to go independent. That's why my running here is so valuable for every American, not only in Massachusetts or Cambridge, but everyone in America, because we need more everyday people running for office. Blacksmiths, you know, we don't have blacksmiths, but engineers. Carpenters, electricians, right? Scientists, people actually work for a living. People who do work. Career politicians do not do any work. They move money around. They learn how to manipulate. They have zero skills. Yeah. We should vote every single one of them out of office. That's why our platform is clean government, which means term limits. We need voter IDs, which some people call a right wing issue, but I'm also for campaign finance reform, which some people call a left wing issue. Yeah. We need real health. We need to clean up our public food supply. We need to put out of business companies like Monsanto. We need to make sure we have more primary care physicians. We need to actually lower the cost of healthcare by making illegal GPOs, which are these group purchasing organizations, which take a $2 generic and ramp it up to $32,000. And when it comes to jobs, we need high paying jobs. And the way you get that, you know, I, I sent out an email. My grandmother told me a very, very powerful story when I was growing up. You know, she used to tell stories. In, in the Indian tradition, there's a story of these two goddesses, Marcelo. One goddess is called the goddess of wealth, and the other goddess is called the goddess of education. Now, most people go pray to the goddess of wealth, and sometimes she'll give you money, sometimes she won't. Depends on how she feels. 
But one sure way to get wealth is you go after knowledge and skills. That's the other goddess. And what's interesting is the goddess of wealth is very jealous of the goddess of knowledge and skills. So if you go get knowledge and skills, the goddess of wealth will automatically come. And that's the way we alleviate suffering. In Massachusetts, for every 17 skilled job openings, only one person is skilled. That's what the swamp has created. They've created degrees in homosexual studies, degrees in bathroom studies, right? Degrees in anthropology of aardvarks. And then these kids get loans, right? And they're living in their parents' basement. We need people to go learn actual skills. Yeah. That's what we need. And, and, you know, that's what I've done. MIT was basically a high-tech, bow-tech school. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have. But um, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Um, and I wish you the best of luck. I really think your campaign is, is, um, is really exposing a lot of issues that don't get brought up enough. And I really wish you the best of luck. So. Thanks, Marcel. Yeah, remember, shivaforsenate.com, S-H-I-V-A, number four, senate.com. Go up there. We uh, are building a broad base of grassroots people, volunteers. So let people know about our campaign. Thanks, Marcella. Thanks a lot.